This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is sponsored by ArtBase. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio, or a gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? We think so. Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. You just enter your data once and use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com now to learn more and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount. Over the past 12 years, the Art Tactic podcast has grown to be a leading art market podcast. Each week we share an exclusive in-depth interview with a key art world insider. As we move into a new phase of programming, we want our broadcast to be listener-supported and create content that you want to hear, not what we think you want to hear. You can support us by visiting contribute.to slash arttactic. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. It was great seeing so many of you this past week in New York City for Armory Week. I can honestly say it was the best week the art world in New York City has experienced in a long time. While it's difficult for international travelers to make it, the fair was very well attended by people around the U.S., from California to Texas to Florida, and it was fantastic to see so many people I haven't seen since before the pandemic. And it wasn't just the fairs, it was also the plethora of incredible gallery shows that opened to coincide with the week. There was so much art to see, it was a positive experience to everyone, and it felt like we're getting closer to normalcy again. In this week's episode of the podcast, we're joined by Eileen Kinsella, Senior Market Reporter for Artnet News. Eileen wrote a great article on Artnet News recapping the Armory Show, and she's kind enough to join us to share her report and insights. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for downloading and listening. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Definitely. So I think there was a lot of anticipation heading into Armory Week. The hope was that this had the opportunity to be maybe the biggest week for the art world in New York City since the pandemic began early last year. In your mind, did that end up being the case? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the lead up to it, um, as, as I kind of chronicled and wrote, things were just changing so quickly. Like, you know, maybe a month or two ago, there was like this full sense of like, you know, full on confidence, like we're back, the vaccinations are working. And, you know, as I said, in the story, the Delta variant really threw a curveball into that, where I couldn't believe, you know, the leaks, the weeks leading up to it just started feeling really uncertain. I was hearing a lot of hesitation from people. And I actually um, sat down with Nicole Berry and had a great talk with her, um, probably about two weeks before Armory. And, you know, she just has this very calming way about her. She was she was optimistic, but not, you know, in a way that wasn't believable. So I actually felt really good after I spoke with her. I mean, and, and this is like optimism mixed with realism because at the time, over 50 European exhibitors, mostly European, had already said, we're not coming, you know, in real life because of the changing, constantly changing travel restrictions and we're gonna participate virtually and, um, you know, defer our participation to next year. So that seemed like a very kind of concerning thing. But, you know, walking to Javits last Thursday, 
um, the mood was really great. People were excited. Um, dealers were really happy with the sales. They were happy with the timed entry. You know, it didn't feel frenzied, but it definitely felt you know, a lot of buzz, a lot of energy. So overall, I mean, I, I, I was looking at it as a huge test of confidence and I think they really pulled it off. Yeah, I agree with you. And everyone I spoke with had very positive fair experiences in the week in general too, because there were so many superb gallery exhibitions that opened during the week. So it really felt like one of those best weeks of the year kind of weeks for the art world in New York City. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there were there was a lot of openings. You also saw a lot of Chelsea dealers who, you know, basically went a couple of blocks north to Javits to set up their booths have some form of like a compliment, like where what they're showing in their gallery was, you know, like sort of sampled in the booth um, and, you know, really talked about the energy and connecting with other people. And even if it was a little bit more of a local flavor than expected, that it was still a great crowd, great attendance, and um, people just seemed happy to be back and looking at art in person and seeing each other. Exactly. And so earlier you mentioned that a lot of international galleries had to bow out and just couldn't make it to New York City for the fair. So at the end of the day, what was the international presence like at the fair from both a visitor and gallery perspective? I have to say it was impressive because, you know, I gave you that number about 55 mostly European that didn't make it. But actually in attendance, over 40 international galleries came from places like Iran, London, um, some from Mexico. And, you know, I did speak to this one dealer from from London, um, Lorenzo Roncini, and I just asked him a little bit about, you know, what did you do to get here? And he said, I had to go quarantine for 14 days in Mexico. And it was a little bit boring because I was by myself. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess you have to have somebody who's really committed who wants to go spend 14 yeah. days. Not that, not that Mexico is a bad place. Right. Um, it actually sounded nice to me. But he said, um, you know, like he had, he felt he had to do it. It was worth the commitment. And, you know, basically like bottom line is like, this is his job and he's been so looking forward to this and his sales were really good. And so was the reaction to his show. Um, you know, I, I wasn't able to speak to every single international exhibitor about how they pulled it off, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure that based on, you know, whatever variety of travel restrictions happened, they had to, you know, do something to, you know, to make that happen. And I did ask Nicole Berry about it. I sat down with her at the show And she said, you know, we just really appreciate the effort, like the international presence is key. And so, you know, if you had this many galleries that couldn't make it, the ones that are there, obviously they put in a great effort and it really adds, you know, that element to the show that makes it an international art show. Yeah, it does feel like a lot of international galleries were trying to figure things out on the fly, you know, just like any of us who have attempted to travel internationally during this time you know, can I get into this country? If so, how? What do I need to do? Have I done everything right? You know, I was chatting with this one UK gallery who did make it to the fair this year, and they applied for a business travel exemption with the US Embassy in the UK, and they were actually denied. But then they heard that the US Embassy in Switzerland was a little bit more lenient, so they applied there somehow and got approved, so they were actually able to make it into the country and exhibit at the fair this year. So it's interesting to see some galleries isolating in Mexico, some getting in other ways, uh, but trying to be resourceful in order to make it into the country. And I think overall, it was just great to see some of these international galleries finally after a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the sales at the fair this year, who had some of the most noteworthy booths or sales that you reported on? 
I think one of the really fun features that Artnet News does anytime that there's a major fair, and especially like this, there's so much pent up demand. Um, you know, in, in addition to kind of taking the temperature and doing a sales report, we try to find like artists to watch, like, who, you know, who are the people who are sort of maybe a little bit under the radar or younger that are, are um, you know, worth paying attention to. Um, two booths that I really liked in particular, um, I really liked Sadie Coles, which is a London gallery, again, international gallery. Um, I didn't, I was focusing on the art, so I didn't get a chance to ask them how, how they made it to the US, but they had two really great artists in their booth that I love. Uh, one is Katie Heck, um, and um, she just does these kind of like figurative paintings that have these embedded like mythological references and they're sort of mysterious. They've got like this really skillful kind of like almost like an old master classical quality. And then there's like this mysterious element to them. Um, those I really enjoyed. They also had um, works by um, artist Alex DeCourt. Um, he also has an installation at the Met right now on the roof. I think it's still up. Um, you know, kind of one of those viral Instagram sensations. It had like Big Bird from Sesame Street and like some, like a mashup of imagery. So, um, but the works that were at the fair were kind of a little more simple. They were these like neon stars on really brilliantly colored backgrounds. And as the uh, director of Sadie Coles explained it to me, they were all based on the Gemini um, sign. So they all had like their own particular meaning. Um, I even just liked the overall look of them and the stars and to find out they had this deeper meaning was also kind of fun. Um, another great booth was um, Gallery 1957. They're from Accra in Ghana. And they showed this artist, uh, Kwesi Bachwe, who was also on hand and you know explained to me a little bit about how he just likes to paint these really bold characters, people that have sort of like confident expressions and, um, you know, like bold styling and um, bold clothing. And it was just kind of fun to hear firsthand from him, um, you know, what inspired him and, and how he works. And I know uh, that that booth was completely sold out by, I was there for maybe an hour on VIP day and it was already completely sold out by then. So I don't know how much had been pre-sale and how much had been early buzz on the first day, but definitely those sales were great. Another interesting aspect of this year's fair was the venue for the Armory, the Javits Center. When I spoke with attendees and galleries, both inside and outside the fair actually in New York City, when the fair was brought up, I think the venue was one of the first things people wanted to talk about. Um, for our listeners who weren't able to attend, can you kind of set the scene for us? What was it like to be inside the Javits Center to have the fair and how did it compare to other fairs and what was the overall response to it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I I think that the venue was great. They had hired um, the, the uh, directors hired Frederick Fisher and partners, and they did this very thoughtful design with an open floor plan, and they were keeping social distancing and safety in mind by also, but also a really like cool layout. And I should preface it by saying that you know there was there was definitely a little bit of a he healthy amount of skepticism about Javits because it tends to be more like really straightforward trade shows, like things, you know, like toy fairs or Comic-Con. Um, and even sometimes some of the art fairs that they have tend to be like lower priced things like um, affordable art fair. And so I think there was a little bit of skepticism. And, you know, I think I also mentioned this to you, like, you know, a couple of months ago, I was there getting <laughs> both my vaccines and it was packed with National Guard, um, you know, guys in camouflage, nurses in white coats. So that was another thing that gave me pause because I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, I can't imagine like all the top galleries in the world being here. And it was a pleasant surprise. I mean, it it looked amazing. As I mentioned, the floor plan was great. 
they also had these great curated sections of really large scale projects that it, it, it just worked. They were so intriguing. They were placed strategically throughout the fair. They're really eye-catching, really well-labeled. Um, just kind of, I mean, it's, that's not something entirely new, but it was, it all just worked. Um, I don't say that about every art fair, but it really worked and it felt great. It felt elegant. It felt upscale. Like if you ask me how it compares to other venues, I'd say it's, it's right up there with it in terms of the transformation. Yeah, I agree. And also not to talk down about someone or something, but when I heard the positive reviews of the Javits Center, they were often accompanied by the very negative reviews of the Armory's previous location at the Piers. Yeah. And did people mention the Piers to you and how the previous format involved separating, um, you know, modern from contemporary, which created um, a little bit of extra work because each Pier was so massive and it's sort of like you get done with contemporary and it's like, oh, I have an entire other peer to do. And then it's like wrapping your head around like a t different time period of work. So this just felt a lot more seamless that modern and contemporary were very much, you know, side by side. It created much more of an easier flow. I wasn't consciously thinking about it as I was exploring the space, but looking back now, I definitely think that was the case. And so with travel restrictions and the Delta variant, it did seem like there was some hesitancy and uncertainty from many exhibitors leading up to the fair on if they would actually participate. Ultimately, how do you think most of them came away feeling? I only heard positive things. I mean, you know, even even in the lead up to certain fairs, um, one dealer told me, you know, at, like at a point when it felt like things were really like at a nerve wracking um, point in time, like nobody wants to say anything bad because at this point, like they're all in, they're committed. So it's sort of like everybody's hedging their bets, but I'm sure that especially since I offered people anonymity and talked to a lot of dealers that if somebody really wanted to complain or had a bad experience, I would have heard about it. And I really honestly heard like very, very good things, praising Nicole as director, praising the organization, the attendance, um, safety measures. And you know, I, I, I'm just hoping it doesn't sound fluffy, but it's not, that's not, I, it's not always the case. There's plenty of times where things go <laughs> less than, you know, expected or, or, or less than well. And people are usually pretty honest about that, especially after the fact. So um, yeah, overall, like they pulled it off. They did a great job and they pulled it off. And so looking forward, what do you think we can deduce from this fair in terms of how close we are actually to returning to a normal fair experience? Um, you know, a couple of the dealers that I spoke to have told me about the way that they've sort of um, re-engineered re their, not, not only their expectations, but their organization. Like, don't bring 10 artists to one art fair. Like, think hard about two that you really want to show and think look good together because you're not going to want to ship, you know, 50 crates like people did in past years, hoping that you keep selling and then you can replace. So that was interesting to hear how people have just sort of lowered their expectations and like kind of slowed down. Like even the timed entry people said helped them slow down and help them really engage with visitors. And it didn't feel like a frenzy. So that's a good thing. And, and like I said, I, I think that army armory was a huge proving ground. Like I think what happened there has inspired so much confidence, except that that model is not going to necessarily be translated or translatable in the exact same way to freeze coming up in London and Basel coming in Switzerland, because you still have all these international considerations and restrictions and different infection rates and different 
um, you know, forms of vaccines being uh, administered. So I think that it's great that Armory did well, but I think we have a long way to go before we're out of the woods. I mean, even with the with the um, Art Basel coming up, there was recently um, an, an initiative that came down from Swiss authorities where Lista, which is a satellite fare to Basel and Basel itself, let non-EU and uh, non-Swiss visitors know that your vaccine has to be approved and certified by them. And there are certain vaccines like AstraZeneca that they don't accept. So it's those kinds of little, um, you know, like these very technical specific requirements that are still going to have to be navigated. You know, you, you mentioned navigation, like this one gallery that couldn't get into the U.S. one way. So they took a different route. Like navigation is going to be key. And there's a lot of things that need to be put in place and sort of managed and and work around. So that to me seems to be the main, the main sort of like hesitation about why you can't just say, oh, the armory was successful. We're back off to the races. Everything's just easy now because it's totally not the case. Yeah. Overall, it was a very positive experience for the art world and we'll just see how everything plays out in the fall. Eileen, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights from the Fair Week in New York City. And if our listeners haven't checked out your article recapping the fair, we definitely recommend that they do on Artnet News. And you're also on social media, often talking about the art world. Where can we find you there? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter as Kinsella EK, and um, Instagram is EB Kinsella. So, yeah. Perfect. Thanks so much again. And thanks so much for having me. We want to thank ArtBase for sponsoring this week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast. Are you managing an art collection, an artist, studio, or gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. All you do is enter your data once, and you use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and a bunch more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used in the cloud from any location on any device. So go to artbase.com now to learn more, and be sure to mention our tactic for a 15% discount.